We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. As I conclude this series on vision this morning, we've already talked about the fact that we exist for those who aren't here yet, that we understand what we're asking people to do. We're asking them to come to the cross and die and then pick up the life of Jesus and follow him. We understand that we are here to make disciples. And today I want to talk to you about the fact that we understand some things don't progress just as we plan or we desire. That's why we're in the book of Habakkuk this morning. For those of you who are not aware, Habakkuk wrote at a time when Israel was, or excuse me, Judah was in complete rebellion against God. A time when he was questioning and wondering, God, are you all there? God, are you still hearing and answering? God, what are you doing? Because I don't discern it. I can't understand it. For you and I to be able to fulfill the vision of Jesus Christ for our life, this church, and our world, it requires that we live in faith. We've talked about that over the last few Sundays. So look with me to Habakkuk chapter 1, beginning in verse 2 and reading through verse 4. O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence. From the message it says, I cry out help, murder, police. Somebody come to my rescue. You will not save. Why? Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. Their strife and contention arises. Therefore the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore perverse judgment proceeds. I read those verses of Scripture, and sometimes I have to apply that to our current society. It very much mirrors where we're at today, a society that is in rebellion against God. A society that is going as far and fast as we can away from the principles of God and the Word of God. This is what Habakkuk was dealing with. A rebellious people wanting nothing to do with God, simply wanting to go their own way and do their own thing. But he stands in that place and he said, God, I'm looking for answers. He's believing that there is an answer when he asks the question. You and I need to understand that as well. It's okay to have questions, but when we do, we have to believe God has an answer. That comes through faith. Faith in Jesus Christ, according to the scripture, moves mountains. It parts seas. It causes blind eyes to open, sick bodies to be healed, the lame to walk, the dead to rise. Faith that moves mountains is the faith that he wants you and I to possess today. And it's that faith that moves us, motivates us to action. You see, if we truly believe we've seen what Jesus sees and we want to do what Jesus did, we cannot simply sit silently and stilly. We've got to move forward and move in to what God is asking us to do. It's that kind of faith that caused a teenager to face a giant and win. It's that kind of faith that sets enemies to flight. It's that kind of faith that holds on until we see the answer from God. So we need to understand that Habakkuk lived in a time when he didn't know what God was doing, a time when Judah was extremely rebellious against God and his commands. Habakkuk, as the prophet of the day, was confused. It made no sense. It didn't add up. He knew the promises. He had read them. Yet what he was seeing didn't align with the promises of God. They just didn't match. 
When we're living in those times, if we have the vision of Jesus Christ, we understand it's okay to question. And that's what he taught us in those first few verses of Habakkuk chapter 1. And he taught us that having the vision of Christ really is about living by faith and understanding that faith and the faith journey really is an adventure. We don't know what's going to happen the next moment, let alone the next week or month or year, but this we know, God's in control, He's guiding our steps, and it's all going to turn out according to His will and plan. So we can walk in that kind of assurance. We need to understand that God is watching over us, caring for us. He does have a plan for us. So when I read the book of Habakkuk, so many times the prophets typically speak to the people from God. But in this book, Habakkuk is speaking to God for the people. That's a great uh, parallel that we need to understand. He's bringing our questions to the Lord. He gives voice to our confusion, our bewilderment. He gives voice to those things that disappoint us. And he says, God, please listen. Pay attention. This is where we're at, what we're going through. Will you do something for us? Not a day has passed that one of us hasn't acted just that way. Now today has passed that one of us haven't been confused or, or uh, uncertain of what God is wanting to do in our hearts and in our lives. In those times, let's be as Habakkuk and let's ask the question, God, what are you wanting to do? What are you trying to accomplish? What's going to happen through this circumstance and situation? Oh, listen, friend, we have been taught a lie, and the lie is that if you follow Jesus, you'll never have a problem in your life. There will never be any difficulties. There will never be any opposition. I've come to tell you this morning the exact opposite is true. If you follow Jesus Christ, there's an enemy who puts an X on your back. He wants to take you out and take you down. But the good news is greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Oh, come on. It's okay to ask what's going on, understanding God has the answer. And then turn with me to Habakkuk chapter 2. And I want to read verses 1 through 4 of that passage because not only did he ask a question, but he waited and he listened to what God was going to say. He said in chapter 2, verse 1, I will stand my watch What's he saying? He's saying, I'm going to be faithful no matter what. Somebody needs to hear that this morning because things didn't go your way. You're ready to throw in the towel and give up. You need to understand, stand your watch. Don't give up. Be faithful in what God has called you to do. He said, and I set myself on the rampart to watch and see what he will say to me. What I will answer when I'm corrected. Verse 2, then the Lord answered me. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak, it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come and will not tarry. Did you hear what he's saying? God spoke back to his question. And God said, you need to write it down in big block letters so that everybody can see it, so that you can be reminded as you run the race for Jesus Christ, remember the vision. The vision is to reach all people by all means. The vision is to live for those who are not here yet. The vision is to ask people to come and die. Oh, come on. We can't make this thing easy. The truth of the gospel is difficult and hard for sinful man. But when we tell the truth and they come to Jesus, Jesus, lives are transformed. 
He said, write it down so they can read it and see it. I like the way the message says, verse 3. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait, and it doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait. It's on the way. It'll come at the right time. You know, I read those verses, and the Spirit of God said, Steve, I'm talking to you. That is for you. If you know me at all, you know that I'm not a very patient person. When I, when I see a problem, I want to fix it. I want to do something about it. And I've learned through the years that often we don't need to give an answer. We simply need to listen and wait and see what God's going to do. You know, I thought when we came here, it would be a very short time and this place would be filled. I thought we'd have the debt resolved within a year. It took five years to get the debt issue resolved. And I'm thinking all the time, God, where are you? What's up with this? You know, and as we resolve that debt issue last fall, then I'm looking for exponential growth, thinking, okay, God, you've dealt with the big one. Now bring them in. Now bring folks in and do a miraculous thing in this place. And here I am six months later saying, where are they, God? And as I read those scriptures, what he said to Habakkuk spoke directly to my heart. The message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait. If it seems slow in coming, wait. It's on its way. It'll come at the right time. Oh, do you know God has a right time? Do you understand that God is never late? Do you understand that God never delays without for a reason? Do you understand there is an appointed time, a right time coming where God is going to do everything He's promised to do? Write the vision, make it plain, make it clear. So when you run, you can read it. We need to get that into our heart and into our soul, into our spirit. Because too often you are just like me. You're impatient. Well, I prayed and it didn't happen. Well, pray again. Well, I prayed and it didn't occur. Well, pray again. Don't give up on what God is wanting to happen and occur in your heart and in your life. Hold firm, hold steady, stand at your position, be faithful, and listen to what God has to say. And then as he heard God, he moved into Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2. Read that with me. O Lord, I've heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. From the message, it's translated this way. Do among us what you did among them. Work among us as you worked among them. And as you bring judgment, as you surely must, remember mercy. Remember mercy. Oh, somebody hear it this morning. It's time to pray, God, what you did before, do again. God, you are not limited to things that are past, but you can do it again. God, prove your your spirit to us. Pour your Holy Ghost out upon us. Accomplish your will and your purposes one more time. And as he begins to pray, he begins to remember. You see, every time we look back, we remember what God has done. The Israelites built memorials to remember what God had done. 
It's a good thing to remember, but we can't live back there. Rather, we allow those memories of what God has done to fuel our faith for what God is going to do today and tomorrow. And we can stand and declare, your word says it, God. I've seen it happen. It says it occurs. Then God, if you did it once, do it again. That was his prayer. God, do it again. He said, God, I know you've got to judge this sinful nation. I understand that because they've turned from you. You have to judge them. But God, in judgment, please remember mercy. Please remember mercy. Do you understand outside of mercy, none of us have a chance of coming to Jesus Christ. All of us are guilty of sin. All of us are hell bound outside of the mercy of the Lord. But because God remembers mercy, He sent His only begotten Son, born of a virgin, living a sinless life. He sent His only Son to work miracles for three and a half years and then to die on the cross and rise again on the third day. Oh, somebody, remember mercy! Because it's mercy that gets you and I into the presence of God. So as He prayed, He said, God, I understand you've got to judge this nation. But God, as you judge us, remember mercy. Remember mercy. Remember mercy. And do a new thing in the life of your people. You need to share that with others. Some will be at chctoday.com. They can watch and listen. The last thing that we see from the book of Habakkuk is in chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Where he said, though the fig tree may blossom may not blossom, though the fruit nor fruit be on the vines, through the la- though the labor of the olive may fall, and the fields yield no fruit, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. He will make me walk on high heels. See, this is what he said. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter if I don't see provision. It doesn't matter if the harvest fails. This one thing I do, I will rejoice in the Lord my God, the God of my salvation. Oh, question. Then listen, hear what he says, and then respond to the living God and realize the thing that matters is that we learn to live in faith and trust in him. Aubrey, would you come? This is Aubrey. She's from the Philippines. She has a very powerful, powerful story of God's deliverance in her life. I've asked her if she would share that with us this morning and allow you to be encouraged by what God did through her. Aubrey is uh, Rowena's sister. Derek and Rowena have been with us for a little over a year now. Derek's in the U.S. Army active duty, and they're being moved to Hawaii in just a couple of weeks. So I'm glad this time intersected so we could hear this story. Would you welcome Aubrey today? Thank you, Pastor. Good morning, everyone. Before I would start my testimony, I would like to express my gratitude to Pastor's Um, Steve and Yvonne for inviting me here, for giving me this chance to share the powerful testimony that God had given me. So, my story that I'll be sharing to you, I hope would give us an inspiration. Are you having problems right now in your life? Are you facing some difficulties that you think are just too heavy for you to bear? 
My brothers and sisters, God is calling us to be resilient and to trust His promises. And I can testify to that. Eight years ago, I was studying in, in a university in the southern Philippines. If you've heard about the five-month-long war that happened two years ago, that's where the city, where my university was located, is located. I studied there, and one time, when I was about to go home from church, I was carrying my Bible with me and my Bible study guide. I was about to go to my boarding house so I can start with my schoolworks. And I was having dinner with my friends and something in me really insisted that I need to go home ahead. I don't know why, but I just need to start doing my school things. So I told them, I just want to go home ahead. And it was already 7 in the evening and that is already very dark in the Philippines. So my friends agreed and then I... I started to walk, and then one of my closest friends, who is like an older brother to me, offered to take me home, to accompany me, so I, would, I don't have to walk alone. So, so, just so he's so kind, so I accepted his offer. And then he accompanied me, and there are two paths leading to where, to where my boarding house is. One is a very narrow and dark and bushy path, and the other is a, um, is a highway, a concrete highway with street lights. And of course, it's Robbery is very rampant in that area, so I, I don't want to take the shorter, narrow path. So I insisted that we will take the cemented and lighted path. And then, so he just agreed, and we took that path. path. It was a rainy evening, and then one van is running speedily, and then blocked our way. I couldn't understand why they did that, so I just paused there and looked at the van, and then when five big men came out of the car, one holding a rifle, then it sunk in. I'm, a kid, I'm in a kidnapping incident. And then, I'm too skinny now, and imagine eight years ago, how skinny I am. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was really skinny then, and I couldn't fight back. So there were five of them, and my friend is just one. So I really just don't know what to do. So I just kneeled and prayed and shouted, God, help me. And that's all I did, and really prayed and prayed. And I don't know what will happen, but they pulled my friend, put him in the van, took me and I tried to struggle and fight back so that I will be left behind or I could pull my friend out and still I can't do anything. People are already all, all over the place and they wanted to help us. They pulled my feet out of the van and my friend is trying to push me and kick me so that I will not be taken away and I'm trying to pull him also so that he will be out of the car and so the car just drove and then I was being dragged for over half a mile. Half of my body is being dragged in that concrete street and it was running so, so fast. And then they stopped and pulled me. And then when I was inside the car, questions are just running inside my head. And I just can't believe that I'm in that situation. And then I tried to ask myself or regret the things I've done. Why did I insist in going home ahead? Why, did I just, why didn't I just take that narrow path so that I can go to that shorter way and, be, and not come across with this van? But... God has a purpose for all those little choices that I make. Just like in our life, we have some choices, wrong choices that we make, but God can turn them into something different, something great. It will just lift them all up to Him. Amen. And so it gave, me a, it gave me comfort that time. That we were brought in this very dark forest area, and a mountainous area in that place, and then one spark of hope appeared. One of the kidnappers approached me and he said, Aubrey, I know you're afraid, but take my promise. We will never harm you and you will be released. 
So I just took that hope. I know he's a kidnapper and I have all the reason not to trust him, but I just considered it as a spark of hope. And then we started our long journey. We first walked in a very small hut. We stayed there for the night. It's where the farmers would store their tools and sacks for the cornfields. And we just stayed there. That's our hotel for the night. So we stayed there and looked at the sky. It's, it was so dark and only the moon and the stars are light that time. And I remember my prayer. I said, God, if this will be the last episode of my life, no matter how tragic it may seem to some, please use this for your glory. Amen. And that prayer really comforted me. And it gave me the strength to endure those days. Then we started walking to the forest. And one time at dawn, one of the kidnappers insisted that I and my friend will be separated. And I don't like to, and, and don't like that to happen because I don't know what they will do to me or my friend. And then they did, they separated us, and I heard a gunshot. And I really thought that my friend was already dead. So I was really afraid, and then he came back and said, don't worry, I didn't kill your friend, and you come here. So I was really afraid again, and I saw him in a corner of that vast cornfield. He was already putting a mat, and he said, come here and do whatever I'll tell you to do. And I was so afraid he could do anything to me. He was a very big man, and I was so skinny. And I really cried and cried, and he said, just do whatever I'll say. And then, once again, I tried to connect to God and prayed. And that became his first deliverance in that situation. I just talked to the man and said, and pleaded to him, you know what? I've been studying really hard, and I come from a very poor family. And when I finish college, I'm doing my best to finish college so that I can help them. And if you will do, it, do something to me, it will really crush my dreams. And it will really affect my life. And I may not finish my studies anymore. And he just listened to me and listened, and I plead and plead. And then later on he said, I pity you, Aubrey. I'm really sorry that we got you. Come on, let's go. So he, <laughs> he didn't do anything to me that time. And I just praise God because he's so amazing. And that made me realize that God can really touch hearts. He can really transform hearts no matter, no matter how hard we think our hearts are already. No matter how bad we think other people are. But God is just amazing and he can touch hearts and change lives. And then the second test. I was put in another test. That guy who once tried to do something to, to, to harm me. He approached me again one night and he said, Aubrey, we need to do something. Tonight we will be meeting 30 other kidnappers and our leader is there and they're all drunk. And I know they can do anything to you. So just follow what I will say and just do what I will say and you will be safe. So I was really afraid and I know he tried to do something to me also earlier, but now he's trying to help me. So I just trusted him. And so we did. We met their leader and the 30 other kidnappers other kidnappers and then he said and I was just crying and kneeling and he said don't touch Aubrey she's sick she has a broken ankle and she has muscle cramps so never touch her she's 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 hurt so what happened to her she was still active last night so I just cried and cried and didn't say anything and I just kept silent there and they took me to this old lady's house and he, she tried to massage my ankle because she thought it was broken and I just didn't say a word and then for that night from 10 a.m. to uh, 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. we um, climbed across climbed mountains and crossed vast fields but I didn't get to walk you know why they got a bamboo pole 
tied our cloth in it, and, I, and they pulled, put me inside. So I was just hanging there, swinging, and they were carrying me throughout the night. And you know what's amazing? The guys who carried the poles are the two kidnappers who were guarding us the night, and they know for sure that I'm not sick, and I don't have a broken ankle. And so I just whispered to him, um, um, Sir, oh, I forgot how I called him. Um, you, you know, I'm, I really thank you so much for doing this. And, he, and ju- he just said, keep silent, Aubrey, don't tell them anything. So he just endured it. We traveled for... That's about six hours, and God is just amazing. And then another time, the third test was being placed on me. We were, we were stuck in this ab- abandoned cabin in the middle of the forest, and then their leader, who was drunk that time, instructed, his companions to, instruct, instructed their companions to go out and leave me alone in that cabin with him. And then I was, be, I was very terrified again. I'm trembling and crying, and I didn't know what to do. And then he, he just stayed there with me, and he said, Come here, Aubrey. And I just cried and cried, but I still approached him because I'm so afraid. He has gone and all that stuff, and so big. And he told me, Come, li- lie down beside me. And I cried again, and I cried, and I, t- and I told him, um, Why are you doing all these things? So he just said, it's all about money, Aubrey. You can't do anything about it. And then I cried again. And, I, and once again, I reconnected to my Savior. And I just prayed and prayed and prayed while he was still talking. And then one question came into my mind. And I just asked him what his name was. And then his name reminded me of a character in the Bible. And that is Job. And then I began to tell him the story of Job. And I t- told him, you know what? There's a, there's a character in the Bible. He was so... He was so faithful to the Lord, but then everything was taken away from him. He lost his children, he lost all his hard-earned possessions, and he, his health is even deteriorating, but he didn't sin. He didn't do anything wrong just because of his situation. And I know he has a worse situation than all of you kidnappers, but he didn't do anything wrong. And then he just listened and listened until I didn't notice that time already passed, and then one time he just asked me, you know, I'm really curious about Christians because... By the way, the kidnappers are unbelievers. They don't believe that Jesus is Savior and God. So he asked me, I'm really curious about your Jesus. Why do you nail him on the cross? I said, no, we didn't nail him there. It was the unbelievers in the past who didn't believe that Jesus is our Savior, but he died and he was nailed on the cross to save us from all our sins, including your sins. So God is just amazing. If we will accept him as our Lord and our personal Savior, he will really save us. And then... On and on, we talked and we talked, and never in my wildest imaginations that I ever thought that I could share the gospel to a kidnapper. <laughs> but God put me in that situation and praise Him for that. Amen. And I really consider it a blessing. And after talking to Him for hours, the sun rose and morning came, and God once again delivered me, and nothing ever happened to me. Amen. And then, three more days and two more nights passed under the heat of the sun, under heavy rains, vast fields, steep mountains, dark forests was everywhere. We run away from soldiers because they're so afraid that they might catch us. That's all we did for three days and for three more days and two more nights. And then, but despite that difficulties, I'm really grateful for that experience because since the time when I talked to the kidnapper, the leader, I was no longer threatened and they never tried to harass me anymore. And one more thing, we had our morning and evening worship with my friend. Remember, I brought my Bible and my Bible study guide with me? That was our 
that was our armor and then they just let us do our worship there in the morning and we read from the bible and these promises um were given to me by god it says in daniel 6 27 he rescues and he saves he performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth he rescued daniel from the power of the lions and in psalm 46 verse 1 god is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble Amen. who will not be inspired by those promises so those promises alone give gave me enough courage and strength to really endure that hardship and i know i will be safe so if god can save daniel from the lion's den we can't talk to lions but i can talk to kidnappers and Amen. god really did deliver me on the fifth day we were released and the kid and you know what we were released without gunfire we were just peacefully turned over by the kidnappers. And the kidnapper, the leader, approached me and he said silently, Aubrey, we are really sorry we took you. We're not supposed to take you. There, there were three other girls who were walking on that street and then they turned to the right and you were the one who replaced them there, so we just took you. So really? And then he said, we're really sorry and just pray for me. And I don't know how the word of God impacted the life of the kidnapper or the people I've talked to, but I know that we're bound to sow seeds in the hearts of the people we meet. And I, I just lift it all to, all to God and His Holy Spirit will, walk, will work. And then I just realized after that incident that the power of prayer is really true. My friends, my family, my church family, my sisters, in-laws, and church family were all praying for me day and night, gathering for united prayers for all of us. And that's really amazing. I really can testify that prayer is really powerful. God's answer to our prayers, He helped the authorities, the soldiers, and everyone who worked together to save us. And we were, we were able to come out of that situation safe. And you know what? Days later, my friend who was um, the one contacting the kidnappers for negotiations, he, she received a text message from the kidnapper and it says, uh, please tell Aubrey we are so sorry. Please tell her to pray for us. And I just can't imagine. And now, eight years later, I'm standing here in front of you, testifying that God's promises are true. And He is faithful. And He really loves us, and He will, he will never leave us. You may forget about me and all the details of my story, but remember this. No matter what you are growing, going through right now, just remember that God has a purpose for everything, and He will never leave you. The God who delivered Daniel from the lion's den the God who saved me from captivity eight years ago is the same God who will deliver you from whatever problems you are in right now. Let's keep trusting our Savior, Jesus. He is faithful and true. Amen. Praise God. I've asked Aubrey and Rowena to come and Listen to this song. This was, uh, we heard this testimony Monday night at our house, and then they begin to sing this beautiful song. Just worship with them. Father, Father, the more you've given me your love and pulled me up. And pulled me up the more my prayer is not enough you said you said 
first, go last, and now I pray, and now I pray that you'll be first in all I ask. The highest praise is more than spoken words, it's what my heart would say. All I have to offer you in my small way is to live for you. The highest praise is not to see and yet believe you died for me. Sometimes in the night I thank you silently for all you do. The highest praise I can give today is to live my life for you. Father, Father, if you'd ask for some great thing, I would have tried, I would have tried, and yet you only wanted me. The praise is more than spoken words it's what my heart would say all I have to offer you in my small way is to live for you the highest praise not to see and yet believe you died for me sometimes in the night I thank you silently for all you do the highest praise I can give today to live my life to for you the highest praise the highest praise the highest praise amen Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. 
a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com. 